Everybody, welcome to the Cubs Weekly Podcast presented by Wintrust, proud legacy partner of the Chicago Cubs and exclusive home of Cubs Checking. Open online today at Wintrust.com slash Cubs Weekly. As a reminder, we're available on all podcast platforms, so be sure to rate and subscribe wherever you listen. I'm Andy Martinez, joined by Chris Emma. Chris, it's been a whirlwind of a last week or so of a homestand. Take two out of three from the Marlins, but the, the last game is kind of leaves a bitter taste with how it ended. And then we're recording here Wednesday afternoon just before the Cubs-Cardinals finale. So far, the Cubs have dropped the first two. Again, kind of similar feeling to Sunday where they, it feels like there's a, a little bad taste in your mouth if you're a Cubs fan. Yeah, there's been too much flirtation with the 500 mark. And this team now, 200 as we record this, I think they're going to win. I don't know if it's good to go first minute and put out predictions yeah. of a game that's going to be happening, but I'm going to do it anyways because I like the way Justin Seals might pitch him. But my point is this team's really been up and down so far, and we've seen yeah. a lot of good from this squad. We've seen a lot of frustrations, and it really it keeps coming back to the idea of they need to get better with runners in scoring position. They need to get that offense really manufacturing the way that we saw the first couple weeks of the season when you're inspired that you know, they could really – be that contending team. They could be that team. And last time we did this podcast like a month ago, we're celebrating yeah. how great this offense has been. And now we're sitting here saying maybe they can salvage this uh, series finale if they can get the bats going and support guys who been the best pitcher in the National League so far. So it's it's really in this season. There's so much that has to take place. But uh, these are the ebbs and flows for a team with a lot of young guys, a lot of veterans kind of trying to uh, reestablish themselves. This is kind of what you get right now. They were the number one, I think, that, that time we the, we spoke, and, and even towards the end of April, they were the, the best offense in baseball, right? And and statistically, almost every category, they were the best offense in, in, in the National League. Like, you thought, like, that's probably not sustainable. Like, just <laughs> given how the team was constructed, like, that was a nice, pleasant surprise. You were okay with, with the best offense in baseball. You knew some regression was coming. Cubs president of baseball operations, Jed Hoyer, spoke recently said that he, he kind of expected some regression, that they weren't going to be the best. But I think what's been shocking to me is just how much that regression has occurred, right, where they're, they're, they're getting guys on base. But like you mentioned, they're, they're not driving in the runs. They're not getting the big hit. And Jed Hoyer meant, had a good, good quote where he said, there's been a lot of times where a three-run homer or a, or a three-run double comes in and, and that game is blown out instead of losing by one or two runs. And it puts a lot of stress on the pitching staff and, and on the bullpen, which – Truthfully, I don't think the bullpen or the pitching staff – the pitching staff's been fantastic throughout this year, and, and even given the injury to, to Jamison Tyone and, and things like that. I think the bullpen actually hasn't been that bad. I think it's it's really – everything's blown up with a bullpen when you give up one run because you're losing by one run, right? So, like, if a guy gives up one run in the seventh inning, that feels a lot bigger. Whereas, like, if, you're, if your offense is scoring and putting up runs and you're up three or four runs, you give up a run, it's not necessarily the end of the world. Yeah, we saw Tuesday night games. Javier Assad was excellent in relief coming after Jamison Tyone, who's still in that pitch count. He was only able to go through three innings, and Assad was excellent, and then he goes to the ninth and you know gives up that leadoff homer, and it puts a blunder on what's an excellent uh, yeah. appearance for a guy, a guy who's really kind of establishing himself as that multi-inning reliever and somebody they're really counting on. And, you know, it's it's a disappointing mark on what's an outstanding day for the most part for him, and but that was the only way they could go in that because the bullpen was tasked. They went 14 innings on Sunday and then several innings and more on Monday of work. And you've got a lot of young guys who are kind of trying to figure out the, their, their roles and their routine with this. And yeah. uh, this is just the, the life of it. And then on the uh, the counter side of it with the offense, I mean, uh, we talked about it, but like it's just there's no rhyme or rhythm to the lack of clutch hitting. You just kind of hope it turns around. Uh, a lot of that goes with the, the pitching staff as well, just kind of hoping that, 
you keep going at this the right way. You're able to reverse your fortunes and go deeper in ball games, and you get the run support, and you're able to approach these games with winning baseball. Yeah, and that's the thing to me. Like uh, the 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 last Tuesday night against the Cardinals, Javier said yes, like he was going into sixth inning of relief work, which is crazy insane to 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 say that sentence out loud. But it was also like kind of a reflection, as you mentioned, Boxberger and Fulmer. Had, David Ross's two most leveraged guys had been pitched back-to-back days prior to that, so they were probably down. Um, Edward Alzali had pitched back-to-back days recently, and one of those was in that 14-inning game where he pitched, I believe it was three innings, maybe mm-hmm. two innings, and like he was likely down. Keegan Thompson had pitched three innings on Saturday. Like they're, they've been, they've not been quiet about how they want to, you know, give him full time when rest when he's used in multi innings like that. So like that. That was a lot of guys that they were already down that you were hoping that Javier side could give you that ninth and you could walk it off. So it's a it's a really tough reflection, but it's a, it also goes back to the point where one run is the it, it, it's it's tough right now. It's a, it's a killing it's the killing stab for for the Cubs right now when they give up a run in the bullpen, and it's not fair to the bullpen guys like Javier side. But that's just the state of the offense, and and you know I think there is some randomness like there. That's not to say, like, even tonight, again, we're recording before the Cubs-Cardinals series finale, like, the Cubs could score a lot of runs, and, and that could kind of spark the offense to get going. But that's kind of the ebbs and flows that's going to go with the season. I think the James B. Swanson mentioned it on Tuesday. Night. The, the good thing is is they're still getting runners on base, right? They're, you're still having bases loaded situations. You're still having first and second uh, situations. Like, you guys, you're getting guys on base that you have the feeling that what those hits will start falling. And I think it would be – and he said this too. It would be a lot more concerning if just three up, three down, three up, three down. Maybe a walk here or there. Like that would be more concerning than what's currently going on. Yeah, I remember asking David Ross several weeks ago when the offense was going well. Like, yeah. what's what's the what's the secret you guys have? You're hitting two ninety as a team, and I, I didn't exactly say that, but I enjoyed his response because this was when they were actually hitting two ninety. He's like, look, this isn't sustainable. This average, but what is sustainable is approaching at bats the right way taking long at-bats, getting deep pitch counts on these starters, working these starters. But early in the season, you're facing great starters. You work these guys out of a game in you know four-plus, five innings. You go deep into a bullpen. You work those guys, and suddenly you're to the bottom leverage guys, and you're putting up crooked numbers. And that was the Cubs' key to success for a while. They've still had those good at-bats. You just said yeah. it. The, like Dansby Swanson pointed out, they're getting the bases loaded. They're setting up the ducks on the pond. You just got to get them in. Uh, this is baseball. You're not going to hit 290 over the course of a season, and you're not going to hit whatever with runners in scoring position. you got to stay true to yourself, stay true to your approaches, which is what David Ross said, the, the common denominator. you got to keep drawing deep at-bats, deep plate appearances, getting these pitchers and these bullpens in trouble. That's when you have these breakthroughs. And if you play the game the right way at the plate, you're able to uh, reverse your fortunes. It's not happening yet. Uh, they're about to go on a tough road trip here. I, ideally, you can flip those fortunes the other way then, but it's a tough game. It's also a long season, so uh, that's just kind of the way they approach this right now. Yeah, and, and that is a great point to mention, that, that the, this road trip that's coming up, it, it's a tough one. Minnesota, who's a contender in the AL Central, regardless of what you think of the AL Central, like they're still contending for a playoff spot. They're, it's a good team. Then you got you go to Houston, defending World Series champions. That I know they're struggling, but they they won a World Series, and they've they've got some pretty good players over there. And then you go to Philly, who... Another team that is struggling a little bit, but also that lineup is scary and can go off for yep. like five home runs any given night. So that's, that's not a it's not an easy stretch. And then you come back and you play the Mets, the Reds, and the Rays to finish out the month. So it's like a really really tough stretch that I think could be a big a big 
uh, key for the Cubs as they go get going. And one thing I do want to mention, guys, if you're as you're listening on, we've got a conversation coming up a little later with Lance Brozdowski and and Owen Casey that they're down in Tennessee talk, talking it up. So make sure to stay tuned for that. But Chris, you you touched on it. You t- we've touched on the pitching staff, and and one thing that was. I guess a pleasant surprise uh, for the Chicago Cubs was Jan Gomes went hurt, went down with an injury, and then they had to call up Miguel Amaya from Double A again. Limited experience in Double A, limited catching experience over the last few years. He comes up and he was a pretty pleasant surprise for the Chicago Cubs. Yeah, and it wasn't just you know he had a, the big hit in Saturday's game. He looked, he hit a lot of rockets that didn't yeah. go his way. He should have been hit five hundred plus or whatever yeah. for. Uh, for his brief time up here, but what impressed me was the report with the pitching staff, with the framing, the, the yeah. defensive, the way he's up, how many of the pitches he knocked down and kept from a runner moving over. Uh, I didn't know what to expect of him behind the plate, and he, in a small sample size, looked the part. Uh, you know, David Ross had no problem trusting him with some of these veteran guys. Yeah. Uh, clearly, there's a lot of faith, and we heard Jed Hoyer talk about it, where this is a guy, you know, he didn't catch for a while. He had to shut it down with the injuries. Uh, they believe in him again. He went up there in, in a brief time this last week and showed he's somebody where Jed Hoyer talks about the next great Cubs team. He might be the catcher you pencil in. You hope that he can be that guy. Now that he's back on track, he's healthy. Uh, he's got this experience under his belt. He's going to get that bump now to AAA where he was. He was in AA, AA a week ago. This is an opportunity. Continue that development track. Prove yourself that you belong. Uh, short time up in Wrigley, but he uh, he looked the part. Yeah, it's funny. It's a demotion, but a promotion at the same time, right? He started <laughs> at Double A Tennessee, came up to Chicago, and then was sent down to Triple A as opposed to Double A. But yeah, that was there was there was a comment that I think really stuck stuck out to me from Hayden Wisniewski over the weekend, who Miguel Maya was his catcher, and Wisniewski said he overprepared for his game um, uh, uh, with Amaya behind the ca- behind behind the plate because he thought. Didn't know what to expect. It's a rookie catcher again, limited experience, all those things that, you, that we that you just talked about that we both just talked about. And you think, I have no idea what I'm going to get, so I'm going to over prepare with each hitter and and have my game plan so that I know in every situation what to do. And he said by this third inning, he was like, I no, I don't. I, this guy knows what he's doing. Amaya's very well prepared. He knows what he's doing. I'm confident, trusted him. And Wasneski turned in a great game, and that's to me the sign of. We've seen it with Jan Gomes, right, where David Ross has said he's such a good game caller and game planner and defensive catcher that whatever he does offensively is a bonus. If you're starting to see those signs from from Miguel Amaya already, and he's got a pretty good bat, like we we saw, like he never looked really out of outmatched in the big leagues in, in his small sample, that's a pretty good recipe for a future catcher, like you said. Yeah, and how many guys we talked to who made their major league debut talk about seeing that, that upper deck and the bright lights and how different it is. Imagine that now where you're being trusted for a guy to catch for like a Marcus Stroman or Jamison Tyone, and you're not worried about yourself. you got to worry about his pitch selection and what's going to work for him and catering as, as the caddy there yeah. behind the plate. It speaks to his maturity. It speaks to having the right head on his shoulders that he was able to get there when he's making his debut after not to mention everything he's been through and he did so well helping these guys out. Yeah, and and that was that was really was incredible to me, and and something that you know it's got to give Cubs fans got to give Jed Hoyer in the front office and David Ross and the Cubs a lot of a lot of promise that hey like this this guy is still a factor and and it's a big year for him it's his last option year like there's a lot of there's a lot of logistics with him it's it's a good thing and but he isn't the only guy that we've seen come up to the major league level over the last week or so that that since we recorded our last podcast Matt Mervis you know obviously the the most probably the most hyped prospect this season started the had a had a torrid stretch last year and we we talked we talked about it a little bit that 
um, when he was called up, Tim Sevens and I on a, on a previous episode of the Cubs Weekly Podcast. You're excited to see what he can do, and so far, you know, he's he's put together some good at-bats. He's playing every single day. What what have your um, initial reactions of Matt Mervis been? I, I like his plate approach. There, there's a, a maturity there that you can appreciate. You can see just to the naked eye the way that he's working these accounts and He's fouling off pitches, and he's right on top of so many of these. And he's not gotten the results he's wanted, but he's approaching with the right process. And that, to me, speaks to a guy who's got, had the right training and the right um, coaching down in the minor league system. And uh, he's going to really start hitting. At some point, he's going to be hitting in bunches. He's going to get those homers, perhaps, in bunches. Uh, I think it's going to be coming for him sooner rather than later because uh, – Maybe, I don't know, you start pressing a little bit, but it doesn't go your way if you're at this point for long enough. I don't think he's doing that. I don't see him pressing at all. I, I see him still kind of attacking things the right way. Um, look, we talked about the, this team needs that power threat, right? I mean, Patrick Wisdom's your big power threat right now, and there's not a lot of other guys who are hitting a lot of home runs and putting the ball in the alley. He can be that guy. Dave Ross has hit him down to the lineup early for his first week up with the Cubs. I think in time he's going to keep scooting up and up because he does all the other things the right way too. He's not a guy who's going to strike out a ton. Uh, he's going to draw his walks. I think there's a lot of traits within what he can bring, uh, translate from AAA to the majors, that's really going to stick with David Ross, and it's going to boost this whole lineup. And, and to me the thing that's been very impressive, and I wrote about it on marqueesportsnetwork.com, is his, his relationship with Eric Hosmer. And, and to me that's always like an interesting, that's an interesting conversation, right? When you've got a veteran guy and, and you've got the young guy coming up, like what's that relationship like? And you always hear the veteran always say like, oh, you know, I'm here to help the guy. And like sometimes you know when it's genuine and sometimes you know when it's not genuine. But with Eric Hosmer, it was, it was very genuine. And he mentioned like when he first got to Cubs camp in Arizona uh, at spring training kicked off, he went up to Matt Mervis and introduced himself and said, hey, like whatever you need, I'm here to help you. And before the WBC, Matt Mervis went to go play for Team Israel, as we remember the WBC. Before that, he was talking to him and, and said, like, hey, like, I'm here to help you. Here's some things we can work on. And then when he got back, when Matt Mervis got back from the WBC, Matt, uh, Eric Hosmer had been watching, and they, the two conversed on some things they saw. And immediately, Eric, uh, one day they're doing drills, and, and Matt Mervis is doing back picks at first, right? Back picks to, 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 gra- to catch the ball on, on a back pick. And Eric Hosmer pulled him aside and said, hey, like, I'm noticing you're doing this. You want to keep your head behind the glove so that you can see the ball longer so that you can stay with it and, and make the catch. And that was something that Matt Mervis really appreciated because as he told me, so this is a guy who's won a lot of hardware, who's won mm-hmm. a lot of gold gloves. Like, I'm going to, whatever he tells me, I'm going to be open ears. And, and that, that was something that he mentioned that, like, Eric Hosmer has been so welcoming and so opening to him that, that that's what's been so important for him that he doesn't have to feel like, oh, it's this veteran who's trying to come for my job or, or, or try to take playing time away from me. Eric Hosmer's trying to help him, and, and for Eric Hosmer, the crux of it all is he, he knows that it can help the Cubs win, and what he wants at this stage of his career is just to be on a winner, and, and that's why he's he's taken this role and run with it. Yeah, and, and Eric Hosmer was in Matt Mervis' shoes back in when he came up with the Royals. Yeah. Like He was that young guy who was coming up with a veteran-laden group that took him alongside and helped him through it, and he yeah. said that's part of why he's so open to this role. He's a genuinely good guy, we should yeah. say that too. It's not like he's just doing this for whatever right. like he genuinely wants to help but he also wants to give back he understands that he's been in that place too um and he's done been a part of a team that's won a world series in kansas city like he's yeah. got that pedigree to him uh you, you really appreciate those kind of guys to have those kind of players around those veterans who are willing to just like you said a little thing like that and by the way how many of those backpicks did Mervis have to save yeah, a run yeah. or save a 
inning from putting up a crooked number. He had one in that extra inning game where if he doesn't, I mean, obviously the Cubs went on to lose that, but I think it was like the 12th or 13th inning where he had one of those back picks. Yep. And Same with Saturday that in that run. game against the Marlins. Yeah, exactly. That ninth inning where Madrigal bounces that one and great pick by Mervis. That's, yeah. Again, it's it, you like that on the defensive side for Mervis, but with Hosmer in particular, as we talk about this, like there's such a value of having those kind of guys within the clubhouse who can help. And so many young players. We've mentioned a bunch of them already. Uh, it matters. It makes such a big difference for a young group that's trying to to find the right tracks towards success. And I think they can do it in time. I, I do believe in where this team is going, even despite a rocky road here as of late. But uh, it's because of the character in the clubhouse that this this team can take course. So you're not overly concerned with the Cubs' um, stretch that they've been on so far lately? No, it's 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 early in the season. There's a long way to go. Uh, I, I got the fact for you here now. It's uh, okay. this is the last four full season National League champions. So 2022, 20, 21. So, yeah, excluding nine. the Dodgers, who 43 and 17 in 2020. Last four teams that have won uh, the National League over, the, of course, 162 were sub 500 at Memorial Day. The last two National League champions, so the Phillies in 22 and the Braves in 21, 17 and 19, where the Cubs are entering Wednesday night's game. My point is, I'm not saying the Cubs are going to yeah. go on to win the National League, but my point is, it goes a long way this uh, early in the season. Uh, you don't really take that exact course uh, toward being a National League champion in May. It's not like you just get out of the gates like well, the 2016 Cubs did, where you're just flying kind of the whole right. way, and uh, you just you hit that success throughout the course of a season. Uh, it's the way these teams develop. When you got young guys who are coming through, a guy like a Mervis or Morell, or when you get a Maya back up, and... Uh, all these young guys, and then the veterans. Uh, a lot of veterans on this team are still not producing the way that you would expect in the back of the baseball card. Give it time. It's May right now. It's a tough stretch ahead. But this is a very winnable National League Central. Uh, there's going to be opportunity for this team to get right uh, on that path toward contention. you got to withstand the storm a little bit here. Uh, but talk to me like a month from now when you get toward the end of June. This team's staying afloat around that 500 mark and within striking distance of the Central. You hope things can get on track. You believe where it can go. There's examples there of, of teams that have been in the Cubs spot before and gone on to success. So uh, give it time. Be patient with this right now. I know Jed Hoyer, Carter Hawkins, they're feeling that as well. Yeah, and, and that's a very interesting point, too, because like we mentioned, like as great as that April start, that was kind of outperforming. Like you, There's no reason to believe that that can't happen again. To your point, are we saying that they're going to win the National League crown the National League pennant this year no but but that, that's not to say like this tough stretch should you should be tuning away it's quite the opposite like it's still so early we're not even what, what are we 30 some odd games we're not even a quarter of the way through the season like it's let's let's tone it down a little bit let's 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 relax and and uh, you know let's see I like to your point let's see where they're at and in a month or so, it'll be an interesting time. That's the beauty of baseball, too, yeah. right? You play every single day. There's games every single day. We're going to take a quick commercial break and hear from our sponsor, Wintrust. On the other side of that, we're going to hear from Owen Casey with Lance Brozdowski. They're in Tennessee. They're chatting all things WBC. Owen Casey played for WBC Team Canada, talking about his routine, his warm-ups. And they're using an experimental ball in AA, which I'm really curious to see what Owen says on some of these things. So after this commercial break, we'll hear from Lance and Owen on that. Stay tuned on the Cubs Weekly Podcast. We know you love Chicago. You devour the pizza, admire Chicago's skyline, and cheer on Chicago sports teams, especially the Cubs. 
If you wanted to live in a more boring place, you'd live in St. Louis. Why not bank with Chicago's bank too? Upgrade your wallet with an exclusive Wintrust Cubs debit card, which you can get when you open a Wintrust Cubs checking account. Show your Cubs pride and open an account at Wintrust.com slash Cubs. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. Hey Cubs fans, we're out here in Tennessee and I'm joined by a very familiar face in the Cubs organization on the minor league side. His name is Owen Casey. Mm -hmm. Owen, it's great to see you. It's great to be back. We haven't caught up in a really long time, yeah. such that we haven't talked to you about the World Baseball Classic where you played for Team Canada. You guys won two games, didn't make it out of pool play, but you played against Team USA, mm -hmm. Team Mexico, Team Great Britain. I imagine that was an incredible experience for you. Uh, first of all, I just want to say thank you for having me. Of course. But uh, yeah, I mean, WBC was honestly, like for me, uh, my first like big league experience. Every game, it was kind of like a big league atmosphere and uh, just being around players like Freddie Freeman, uh, Tyrone Neal, you know, Edward Julian, um, Abraham Toro, Otto Lopez, you know, guys that have been there. And obviously the coaches we had, like we had Larry Walker. I mean, that was pretty cool. But uh, all in all, the WBC kind of honestly prepped me for the season, got me in a good mindset. Uh, obviously I hit, um, okay there, the last couple games went a little iffy, but uh, you know, it was just a great experience. How was it to pick the brain of a guy like Freddie Freeman? I imagine there's some pointers there that maybe he gave you. Um, I mean, one day we were in the cage. I think it was the first or second day of camp, and he was literally just saying, stick to your routine no matter what it is, never deviate from it. And uh, I've really taken that to heart, and I've really kind of focused on my routine this year so far. Can you talk about that routine a little bit? What, do you, what are the, some of the key points of it? Is it certain cage work, certain uh, teamwork, field work? What is it? My cage work, mostly. I really get in there, do a top hand, bottom hand, and really just work on like low line drives in the cage, because that's what I saw him doing. And um, honestly, so far, it's really translated because, in my opinion, low-line drives kind of really translate into the game because you're getting flips, kind of like slower speed. So if you work not down the ball but kind of like through it, uh, it translates to the game to so like elevated line drives for sure. You got a bat, so can you mime out what this top hand, bottom hand stuff yeah, is? Just I mean, pretend there's a tee there? I mean, I get on soft toss, and I really just try to like really hit through the ball to kind of like left center field, center field uh, area with my top hand. And same thing for bottom hand. You know, I'll do like some like point contact stops just for like the core activation and then, then I will go through and hit it but it's really just honestly nice and easy like line drives right up the middle with my top hand and bottom hand nothing too like crazy just like a really good feel and what my what I want my hands to do mm -hmm. and yeah. you said Freddie Freeman does that too uh he I haven't seen him do top hand bottom okay. hand but he just literally hits 150 line drives a shortstop and doesn't pull the ball which is the craziest thing I've ever seen but uh yeah, that's what he does, yeah. M might be a pretty good hitter at the major league yeah, level. Yeah, Maybe some of the models. Might be a little in. good, yeah. <laughs> might be a little bit good. Yeah. So you talked about the World Baseball Classic and that helping you in Tennessee. Obviously, you yeah. were in South Bend last year. Now you're up at Tennessee. What's the biggest difference between those two levels? Honestly, I just feel like the pitchers can really locate um, more than one pitch. Last year, I feel like sometimes you would have a pitcher that could locate two, but this year, I feel like guys can locate like two or three kind of always. Um, and, you know, everyone's just like, I'm not saying no one was good at that level, but it just feels like the competitions, competitions got a little bit better this year. Um, you know, obviously it raises our play level, but uh, it's just just another stepping stone to where I want to go. Mm -hmm. World Baseball Classic, you said the competition there was a little bit stronger. Yeah. That group of pitchers, how did that evolve you as a hitter? Um, it really just got me honed in on what I wanted to swing at and what I wanted to hit. And it was honestly just a really good boost going into the season. You know, I didn't know where I was going to go when I was at w WBC, whether it was high A, double A. So I was really just honestly looking forward to getting the ABs. And getting really locked in for the season. You talk yeah. about like what you want to swing. I think that's a really good thing to think about. Like I like looking at things like like out of zone swing and in zone yeah. swing and kind of the differential between those. It seems like you're really trying to hone in on the in zone swing, what mm -hmm. you can mash and what you can create slug on. Yeah. I we were talking a little off camera about like 
at what point in your swing you kind of shut things down if it's a pitch that you're not maybe going to try to swing at? Can you mind out some of, some of just like the general body mechanics you go through in a yeah. swing versus a take, if that makes sense? I mean, say I'm looking middle-middle for every pitch. Like, I'm not looking like a certain pitch. I'm always on fastball timing. Like, I'll never be like, oh, I don't want to hit the curveball. But if it's middle-middle, like, I'm really trying to hit a box, like a, like a ball or a box, just like middle of the zone. Yeah. Because that'll essentially try and keep me off of the corners and, like, chase high and low. Obviously, it's a little harder said than done. Um, sure, sure. But, uh, you know, I'm just really looking for middle-middle. And when I don't see that, I just try to really shut it down. But when I see that, I'm I'm going. Like, I'm, it doesn't matter if it's a changeup, uh, curveball, you know, cut or whatever. If I'm on fastball timing, I can adjust through the ball and hit it. So I'm really just honestly looking just like middle, middle. Um, and that's really it because that just allows me to like not expand off anything like that. Uh, I mean, I don't really have any cues for shutting it down. I just like when I see it, I stop. Yeah. yeah, simple hitter, that makes yeah. sense. I gotta imagine, so Southern League is experimenting with a slightly different baseball, yeah. with some tack on it. It's created some differentials in how pitches are moving. If you're a guy that's sitting fastball, I gotta imagine coming here from South Bend last year, yeah. has a little bit of a difference in how those pitches are moving. Can you describe, maybe for people who don't really know what's going on, the difference to a hitter with the different ball? Uh, I mean, at the start, first two weeks, I feel like it was kind of like an adjustment period. Uh, our hitting coach, uh, Rick Strickland, actually has these balls called like a slider ball, okay. and they move kind of they move a lot they're really saw them. They're yeah just, it's soft they're right? like yeah, light yeah. and they move a lot they really mimic almost the ball like it just like moves more in my opinion it's which like helps us ball. yeah yeah it helps us more get ready for it but honestly you know it just took a little bit of adjustment period for everyone i feel like and now we're kind of used to it um you know with the ball it, i feel like there is a little bit more ride on it but it's nothing that we can't hit Mm, yeah. It's just an adjustment for you. Do, you. do you change up your machine work? I know there are a lot of machines that can throw that high vert. Are you like adjusting that vert up, putting it higher in the zone to adjust? Yeah, honestly, we'll do like, sometimes we'll do like um, top of the zone fastballs and then they'll sneak a slider ball in there for <laughs> us to take and everything like that. But um, honestly, just like really honing in on the, I guess there's like a floor one, two and three fastball and really trying to hit the floor two and three because it's pretty hard to hit a guy in the third floor with really good uh, vertical. So um, we just really try to hone in on the bottom two floors. Yeah. Mm, bottom two floors would be like need a belt? Or like yeah. Where's that window? Really just honestly right here. Because anything higher is pretty hard to hit unless you like get really on top of it. But uh, really just need a belt, to be honest. Yeah. Love it. That's good stuff. What's yeah. your, what are your goals for the rest of the season, man? Continue to do what I'm doing. Um, lower the strikeouts a little bit. But, uh, you know, just hit the ball hard and try to get on base as much as I can. I love it. Owen Casey, thanks for taking the time, man. It's always appreciated. Appreciate Take it. Take care. Thank you. Great stuff from Lance and Owen, and then Lance crushes it on the minor league stuff, and always a great conversation with guys on, on Owen Casey on, on his swing and some of the cool stuff that, that he went through at the WBC. Chris, we mentioned it a little, little earlier in the pod, but the Cubs go on this crazy, crazy road trip with, with a lot of playoff contending teams. What's the one thing you're looking for or keeping your eye on over these next this next week or so? Yeah, yeah, a lot of what we talked about is just kind of staying true to your approach and hoping that you're able to kind of uh, flip the script a little bit. I want to see this team against some really good pitchers now, right? You go to Minnesota, you face some uh, some really strong starters there. Obviously in Houston, you know what you're up against with that group. Uh, from a hitting standpoint, I want to see them work some of these great pitchers de- uh, with deep counts, uh, get their pitch counts high early, get into these bullpens and Look, though, we saw the Cubs early in the season against some pretty darn good starters. Starting with Corbin Burns on opening yeah. day, uh, had that right approach. I want to see them get back to that, kind of rise to the challenges some of these groups that they're facing. And uh, on the pitching staff side, I'm curious to see now with Kyle Hendricks, the return ideally looking. Yeah. We heard David Ross kind of say that he wants to get Kyle Hendricks back, fully stretched out, ready to go by the time that, uh, that they're ready to activate him. He's got one more start coming this weekend. We'll see after that. 
Uh, I'm curious to see how this pitching staff looks when they get Kyle back and if they're going to go with a six-man group, if they ride it out uh, with five and push somebody else to it in another spot. I don't know. There's a lot of uh, intrigue coming there, but it'll be great to get Kyle Hendricks back. That's a great point. We, uh, we, we had it. We, we didn't really get to it on Kyle Hendricks. Second rehab start with, uh, with Iowa. Five shutout innings looked really good numbers-wise. His pitches look great. I mean, yeah, that the yeah. Kyle that... That's vintage Kyle right there. Yeah, and one thing too to 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 make note of, like David Ross mentioned it with like Jamison Tyon, right? Like he's coming back and he's on a pitch count. And the reason you don't want to necessarily call him up too early is like he pitched sixty pitches in five innings at AAA. If he's on like a sixty seventy five pitch count and he comes up and he only goes like four innings, that taxes your bullpen. Yep. Back to the earlier point where you don't want to necessarily tax the bullpen early on. So that that's a good point. I, I'm going to be watching this offense for sure. Like this is. This is what we talked about. This is what I think is the key to, to kind of getting riding the ship a little bit. And we saw it, the, the Mariners, a, a playoff team last year, a really strong team, took two out of three from them. The Texas Rangers, a really loaded team, took two out of three from them. The Dodgers in L.A. took two out of three from them. Like, they've been playing well against these so-called, like, big contending teams that, like, I don't th- I think it's too early to, like, hit the panic button going up against, like, the Astros or, or the Phillies after that or, or even the Mets when they come back. Like, Let's see how they do against them, and, and the, the offense will be the key for me because we, we know what the pitching can do. We know what the defense can do, and if they can do that, that'll be a good recipe for success for the, for the Cubs. Yeah, it might sound silly to say, but I'm not worried about the record right now. I'm not worried about you know the, the ebbs and flows that you get in April and May. We talked about it. I mean, these, there's great teams, championship teams, that have had these ebbs and flows too. It's baseball. Yeah. That's just the way it's going to work. I, I want to see a lot, especially these young guys now, Matt Mervis. First road trip, right? He had a soft landing coming uh, straight from AAA to Chicago, and you get the standing ovations and all that. It's tough now. You got to go to Minnesota. You got to go to face the defending world champions. You got to go face the defending national league champions after that. It's not going to be that comfortable. It's not the friendly confines when you get uh, some of these tougher environments. Uh, Is he going to be able to avoid pressing? Is he going to be able to kind of stay true to himself? It's what made him successful. I'd like to think, yes, I I believe in he, he has the right head on his shoulders, but it's a good early test for him as well. Uh, you know, we've seen this lineup kind of lose its form a little bit. I think it's going to change. I really do believe that they're going to get back on track and be that team that's manufacturing runs and you know putting up some crooked numbers late in these games because you've earned it. But um, I think this team's got a, the right culture to stay the course through some of these tough times. And David Ross is the first guy to downplay. You know, let's not press. Let's not panic here. Let's 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 stay calm through this all. I think they got the right people in that group to. So to kind of withstand nine games and some really tough opponents and you know a tough stretch for this team, I, I believe they'll come out of it okay. Yeah, so that'll be a good thing to to keep an eye on here. Like as we mentioned on this on this road trip, make sure to stay tuned to Marquee Sports Network for a pre and post game coverage throughout the the road trip. Obviously Friday on Apple TV, but afterwards there'll be post game on Marquee Sports Network. And stay tuned for all the for all the coverage for, at MarqueeSportsNetwork.com and at Watch Marquee on social media. That'll do it for this edition of the Cubs Weekly Podcast presented by Wintrust. Don't forget to download it and subscribe to the pod on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And check us out in video form on the Marquee Sports Network app and on YouTube. For Chris, I'm Andy. Thank you for listening.